Welcome to the City Hill podcast. We really hope you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about City Hill, please visit our website, cityhill.london. Yeah, today we're going to be doing our series Psalm 23. This is probably the slowest move we've ever done through a part of the Bible because we're doing one chapter that is only six verses long. So the fact that we're in week and on verse 5 <laughs> of a 6 verse chapter kind of tells you man we dragging our feet we dragging this thing out and we are doing that today so today as we look at this third part what we're going to be doing is we're going to be taking advice from the great philosopher the great psalmist the great theologian of our time Riri um, who said those profound words shine bright like a diamond shine bright like a diamond So what we're doing is we're taking this one verse, verse 5 of Psalm 23, and like a diamond, we're lifting it up to the light because sometimes when it comes to the Bible, you can look at a verse and a passage and you can say, it means this and this is what it means. But actually for the vast majority of the scriptures, you actually cannot say that. Well, you can say that, but you're not right in saying it. So people are free to say whatever they want. But there are times when there are certain scriptures, certain passages just don't mean one thing and sometimes there's so many layers and so many angles and sometimes all of them are intended sometimes there is one true one we don't know what it is and sometimes God just wants to speak to different people in different ways so there's so many different layers of ways of looking at it so what we're doing is we're doing like Riri said shine bright like a diamond we're taking the diamond of God's word this gem like the rabbis used to say and you hold it up to the light and as you turn the diamond there's different refractions of the light that comes through and you see different wonder and different Um, sparkles and different beauty that you never saw before when you looked at it from just the one angle and perspective you looked at it from. So today we're going to be turning the diamond three times. We're going to be looking at one verse, but we're going to be looking at that verse in three different ways. So Psalm 23, I'm going to read the whole Psalm, but we're going to focus on the one verse, verse five. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me sprawl out, lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death or the dark, dark valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the midst, in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever so week one we looked at the first three verses about the lord is our shepherd and how that is a crazy statement because at different points of time in the christian tradition and in jewish history how a shepherd was rated was differently so the first time that the word was used it, it, when we look at it early on you see like man like abraham who had loads and loads of sheep uh, he's a baller shepherd high level thing um, during the time of egyptian um, being held as slaves in, in egypt Uh, ratings for slavery through the floor I mean for uh, shepherds through the floor really lowest not a good thing to be and even in in David's time when he's writing this a shepherd is like a peasant so it's like it's like a dustman well actually it's not because they make a lot of money Uh, they earn a heck of a lot of money and they can earn a heck of a lot more money if they progress and get upgraded so I digress but it's not that it's like a really dead end job really low 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 pay can't make it by so that's how they were seen so when David says the Lord is my shepherd 
people would have kind of heard that and been like, oh, steady, like easy, like you're talking about Elohim, you're talking about God creator and you're saying he's a shepherd. But David has a very strong affiliation with being a shepherd because actually the reason he was one of the greatest leaders they ever had and the two greatest leaders Israel ever had, they're both shepherds. We have Moses and we have David. And so he talks about it because actually being a shepherd is what made him the greatest king they ever had. So although people don't rate shepherds, David rates shepherds because he understands that's what made him the man he is and that's what made him a great, great king. Hey, you're right. And so then he goes to say, he, he makes me sprawl out in green pastures, leave me beside still waters, restores my soul, all for his namesake. I walk through the valley of shadow of death, which is kind of like a poetic, libera- uh, poetic license, um, the way that it's used, the way that it's described, because actually in, in the Hebrew language, it's not really the valley of the shadow of death, it's a dark, dark valley. But because it's so dark for a sheep, you're, you can say the valley of the shadow of death only because in the valley, death is lurking at every corner. It's such a dangerous place for the sheep, which is why we say that, but that's not really what it's about. It's just the darkness of the valley. It's the unknown. You can't see. I will fear no evil. I'll fear no bad thing like wolves, flash floods, all the different kind of risks that a sheep would face. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. We focused in a lot on that last week. Bless you, bro. Have a good one. We focused in on that a lot last week because actually when we think about it, your rod and your staff, the cool thing about that is about direction, about God's direction and protection over our lives because the, the staff will be used when you go astray to pull the sheep around by the neck, around its neck and haul it back into line to keep it safe. When you wander away from the shepherd, he can't just grab you like that. So he's talking about being close to his shepherd, being close to God in the darkness of uncertainty. He talks about the rod because the rod also has great reach to hit back any animal or any predator or any dangerous situation that you may encounter. So he's saying these things that others may see not so fondly or think fondly of actually for the sheep, they are something that comfort them because they protect them, they guide them, even though they could be used in ways that are negative towards them that one might presume. Then today what we're doing is we're looking at verse 5, which is you prepare a table for me in the midst of my enemies. You anoint me with oil, my cup overflows, and all this great stuff. And actually we're looking at it in three different ways. We're turning the verse, the diamond, the gem, three different ways and allowing the light to reflect from it. So what we're looking at is in the presence of. So three different perspectives I want to look at. So. What some people say is the first part of the psalm is about is about a shepherd, it's about its relationship to sheep. This part of the psalm, they say, isn't. This is about a ho- God being a host. So he's no longer the shepherd. He is now the host. So you prepare a table for me. It's a table, so it's not really about sheep anymore. Um, it's in the presence of my enemies. You're not in my head with oil. My cup overflows. So even with this first way we're going to look at it, we're going to still look at it with two different ways within the first way of looking at it, which is a strange one, but bear with me. So the first view is we're talking about our host. So he prepares a table for me in the midst of my enemies. So you and I could be a bit confused about this because when we look at it, we can look at it in a way that, a simplistic way of God forces me to sit down and eat amongst all the haters. So it's like Jodie having a really special birthday, a moment in her life, and I plan a surprise party, and like, I'm like, hey, honey, and she's like, wow, and she gets into the party, and it's none of you guys there. It's all backstabbers. It's people that have just been horrendous to her whole life, people that have abused her, people that have violated her, people that have been 
bullied, people that have been mean to her, people that have just had bad intentions our whole life. And I'm like, isn't it great? I've got all these people together and we're gonna sit down and eat with all these people that have just been horrendous to you your entire life. Ta-da, this is gonna be great. Don't worry, I haven't missed out the ones from childhood. I've got them in there too. And hey, that teacher you hate, don't worry. They're invited. You see what I mean? When we read this verse, we can look at it this kind of a way and people generally speak about it in that kind of a setting because that's the way that they they just see it. They read it at this simplistic level. I want to say that even if you read it in that way, the comforting thing for me about it is that actually in the presence of our enemies, we can be in the most intimate environment and be okay because God's with us, because God's near to us. So even if you want to look at it in that way, you're free to do so and still receive a beautiful reflection in the light going through this this gem, this diamond. Um, the second is to see the same setting but slightly differently. So it's not like it's like uh, a school reunion. They're those those kids at school or that person you really really liked or that social group you wanted to be in that you got rejected by, you didn't get to be in. And so we can look at this first in the way like. They've rejected us, we've had this hard time, but now in the latter years of our life, we're all getting back together, and this time I'm pulling up in my Lexus, or my, my Jeep, or my, my Mercedes, or my Lamborghini, and all those people that, that were hateful to me are now eating their hearts out. He prepares a banquet, a table for me in the midst of my enemies, and it's seen in that way. Uh, but actually, I guess it, it's more in, in spite of, and in contrast to. So it's kind of, these people are there, who could have provided for you in your time of need, but they didn't. But God provided in that time of need and they bear witness to it. So there's a a different way of seeing it. So it's more like they see the provision that God has for you. It's in the presence of rather kind of despite or in spite of. So that's one way. The the next way I want to look at it is this strange, strange thing that, that was a custom that happened a couple of times and would have happened around the time that David was king where it talks about um, he prepares a table for me. Now, in, in the original kind of Hebrew language, it's not, it's not so much like that. It's more like a carpet or a rug. So the idea is that you roll out this rug and you have this mealtime and it says with, with enemies. So what would happen was sometimes before a battle, you would roll out a carpet, you roll out a rug and you'd prepare a meal and you'd sit and you would eat with your enemies and you would eat and then it would be rags us on afterwards and you'd be at it and you would fight it out. And actually, that's not too distant from the world we live in today. So if we look back not even too far or too long ago, we could look back to, say, the First World War. We could look back to the trenches. And there was a time in the trenches where, I mean, hundreds of thousands of people lost their lives for meters of dirt, literally meters of dirt. But when it came to Christmas Day, the fighting was put aside The English came out of their trenches, the German came out of their trenches, they played football together, they ate together, they celebrated Christmas together, and then Christmas Day ended, and they went straight back into their trenches. And the next day, they were at it again, killing one another. And that's kind of what this passage is. It's kind of this this experience that David would have encountered where you roll out the rug, and you sit down across from one another, and you eat that meal in the presence of your enemies, and you are like, man, he has anointed my head with oil. He has chosen me to be king. And my cup overflows because I know he's got this. And even though that I know tomorrow we're going to bang and it's, it's going down and everything is going to kick off around me, I know that he is with me. And because he has anointed me, because he has chosen me, because he is here, I can sit and I can have this meal and I can really enjoy it. 
And these guys, they may be stressing about tomorrow. I'm not stressing at all because he has anointed my head with oil and my cup overflows. So that's the second way we take this one verse, this one gem, and we spin it in the light. But then there's, there's still another. So I want to read this to us in a, a quite different translation. So you spread a banquet before me even if my enemies surround me, you make my head slick with oil. Abundance is my lot. Such goodness and constancy shall surely be my companions as long as I live. And I shall journey again to Yahweh's house for many days to come. So the word table is defined as skin or leather mat spread on the ground. And some say table. Uh, but that's more like a picture, a describing word that we can relate to. It's more for our benefit than the actual context and how it would have been taken. Um, furthermore, the verb to roll out is better suited to a banquet than it is to a preparation of a table um, that you set food on or the table itself. But from that perspective, a sheep may refer to its fare as this metaphor, as, as banquet. So without running the risk of like overt personification, what we can have is we can actually say this, this chapter never switches perspective. It never actually changes from the traditional Christian perspective of we're talking about a shepherd and its sheep. And even in a six verse chapter, we're now changing the whole story. There's no time for a plot twist like that. In a six verse chapter, there's no time for this song to now be about hosting someone and, and having a little Mad Hatter's tea party. But this is actually still from the eyes of the sheep and its shepherd. And so he continues, even if my enemies surround me and suggest that there is um, preferable to the reading which we have, it seems to imply it, that is the only, only in the presence of my enemies that I'm allowed to eat. A sheep, by contrast, is often surrounded by enemies and it is only with the presence of the shepherd that the sheep may ever eat comfortably at all. And so the idea being that in the midst of my enemies, you prepare a banquet for me um, using these terms, these words that we understand, but it doesn't take away from the idea of a sheep grazing in the fields because it's like, you prepare this amazing banquet for me in the midst of my enemies because a sheep can never really feel safe from its enemies. The only way it can feel safe while grazing is as he suggests in, in the presence of the shepherd. And continuing, he notes that the word anoint which um, related to the noun fat literally means make slick does actually connect with the sheep still so according to us reading that we're just seeing that from our perspective but so I'm going to read something which is from I mean kind of the time and the setting but relating to agriculture now so not relating to actual kind of a scriptural kind of context to keep the scab from sheep you take equal parts of the the, the strained um, oil water in, in which ha, has been boiled with a few other ingredients I'm skipping through these ingredients and the dregs of good wine all mixed together so it creates a special oil after shearing smear the whole body with this and let them sweat two or three days then wash them in the sea or if you have no seawater make um, brine and wash them in it if you do as directed they will not have the scab that that sheep would get after they've been um, sheared in their heat in their setting um, it will bear more wool and be of better quality and ticks will not bother them 
use the same um, remedy in a number of different situations for all quadrupeds with the scab. So that was their study of the time and how they dealt with various agricultural issues. So with David being um, a shepherd, for him when he's talking about this and we read this verse, we sit in one way, but if we look at it translated slightly differently, you spread a banquet before me, even if my enemies surround me, you make my head slick with oil. Abundance is my lot. Such goodness and constancy shall be with me as my companions as long as I live, and I shall journey again to Yahweh's house for many days to come. So when we we look at that, you prepare a table for me in the midst of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. When we hone in on this verse today, because we're going to finish with verse 6 next week, when we look at it through these different lights and through these different refractions of the light as this diamond that we just hold up to look at, we can appreciate different things. And in different places that you may be, these three different viewpoints can serve you well at different stages in your life. You may be in a place where you feel completely trapped and in a hostile environment. I want you to know that so many times in my life I've been in that situation. And what I've found is that I've prayed to God to change the environment in my situation. I have yet to experience, actually very rarely have I experienced where God has changed my environment around me. What God has done is he's changed me in my environment. What he's done most often is he's enabled me to feast in in the presence of and in spite of my circumstance. And though people around me may not be cheering me on, people around me may be hating, people around me may be causing me problems and grief, because he is there, because he is with me, I'm able to eat. I want to encourage you that if you're going through a dark time that's out of your, your control, you can keep praying to the Lord to change the environment. He's hearing you, but I, I can promise you that the majority of the time he won't change your environment. He's going to change you. And he's going to enable you to be at peace in the midst of anxiety, in the midst of uncertainty, and in the midst of difficulty. Secondly, I want us to think about and to relate to the idea that actually maybe we're gearing up for a situation that lies ahead of us. That we're sitting in a place where we, we're fine. Everything in our world's fine, but we know we're coming to up to a moment. We're coming up to a time when we know we're going to go to battle, where we're going to face opposition. We're gearing up to do something big in our workplace that we have anxiety about. We're doing something for the first time we've never done before. And we're preparing for it and it's, 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 it's causing us a lot of anxiety. Maybe it's we're at a stage in our relationship where we've never been before with another person and that is so unsettling because actually when you're in a relationship, what you know is comforting. But when things take a twist, when you turn around a corner to a new point in your relationship, a new place that you didn't see coming, the anxiety of being in that uncomfortable situation can be so difficult. And there I feel it's so important that we look at this verse and we hold the diamond up to the light again from a different side and we see David in here layering this one verse in so many different ways that he understands that there comes a time when you have to bang and there comes a time when you have to go to war. And before you go to war, you have this meal. And he wants, you to, he wants us to learn to be at peace. I love mixed martial arts. I watch UFC, I watch MMA. And recently I was reading an article, an, an interview with George St. Pierre, who's probably the GOAT, the greatest of all time. And he was saying recently that he loves the process. He loves working out in the gym. He loves training. He loves grappling. He loves sparring. He loves all of that. That is what he lives for. That is his lifestyle and what he feels he's so privileged to be able to do. What GSP hates doing is fighting. 
he finds the week or the two weeks leading up to the fight, he absolutely hates it. And one of his inside team, they've never discussed this before and throughout his entire career, says the anxiety he experiences leading up to a fight is horrific and he hasn't seen it in any other fighter. And this is probably the guy who is the greatest of all time. And he experiences this absolute anxiety. What I want to encourage you with, and I would love to encourage GSP if he ever listens to this with, is that actually the beauty of what David's saying is, David knows he's anointed, he's chosen for this. It's not some, a lifestyle he's chosen that he benefits from, but it's one that God has placed him in. And because God has placed him there, there is this ability he has to be able to sit down in the midst of his enemies, knowing the next day they're going to bang, they're going to fight out. Imagine, you know what I love is that the same time GSP had this interview, when I think about it, after the last uh, UFC fight he had for the title, he beat Michael Bisbang from Manchester, who I absolutely love, and he won the title from him. But there was two women who were fighting, and I can't remember the girl's name, but she beat Joanna, I can't pronounce her surname, from Poland, who was undefeated and considered the pound for pound greatest female fighter on the planet. And through the build-up, this uh, Joanna was giving all this smack talk, really abusive, saying she could do all these things to destroy this young American girl, who I don't really know the name of, who is a really good fighter, but hasn't proven anything really. And while she was abusing her in the press conference, this other girl was just standing there calmly, reciting, talking back to her. No smack talk, nothing like the fighters do. And I heard in an interview from Joe Rogan, because I really do love MMA, I do read a lot about it. She was um, reciting the Lord's Prayer. So this girl is ramping up, saying all these things she's gonna do to her. She's reciting the Lord's Prayer and she's calmly doing it. And then after she defeats her in the octagon, which no one saw coming, at huge upset, afterwards she's talking about Jesus, talking about her savior. And you know what, I look at her and I see King David. I see King David just at the banquet before when the press conference happens, all the world's media is on you, all the flashing lights. And this other girl is, is I'm gonna rip you apart, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna embarrass you, I'm gonna destroy you, and lots of expletives. And she's there just saying the Lord's Prayer. Guys, I want you to know that regardless how fearful a situation you may be approaching, he prepares a table for you. He anoints your head with oil and your cup is overflowing. You may not realize it, but your cup is overflowing. And we can look at it in that way. And the last way we can look at it is we can look at it through the eyes of a sheep, that this is constant and continual. And that actually all that matters is that the shepherd is close. And if all that matters is the shepherd is close, I wanna encourage you today, wherever you feel you're at in your journey with God, whatever position you're in, I wanna encourage you to draw close to the shepherd. Because if the shepherd is near, everything's okay. If you're not near to the shepherd and you're out to graze and you're out to eat in your life, that is when you're gonna get devoured. That is when you're gonna get torn apart. That is when everything is gonna go horribly wrong. The good news is that James in his letter, in his epistle writes, if we draw near to God, he will draw near to us. And so the idea being that if we just draw near to God today, doesn't need any fuss, we don't need a smoke machine, we don't need to play four chords. We don't need to sing a song. We can make a decision today. We can talk to God. We can pray. And we can say, Lord, I want to draw near to you. Will you draw near to me? And the promise is that he will come. And if he will come, it doesn't matter what circumstance or environment we're in, our head is anointed. He's chosen us and our cup overflows. I hope you're encouraged by that. I'm going to pray. I'm going to wrap up. Father, I thank you for these three different perspectives. So often we spend our whole lives striving to see things in one way, and that is the correct way. But actually so often with your word, that's not actually how it's written, that's not how it's intended, and that's not even remotely true. 
I pray, Father, that today, that as we hold this gem, this diamond, this beautiful word that you have spoken, that as we see it in these three ways, it will connect with us at different life stages. Father, thank you that you prepare a banquet, a table, a mat, pastures for us to eat. Thank you that you anoint our head with oil, that you have chosen us. Thank you that actually you look after our conditioning like the sheep, that you cover it with oil to protect it, to look after it. May you protect and look after us, that will keep us healthy. But Father, above all these things, may we draw near to you. Holy Spirit, would you come, would you meet with us? As we make a decision to draw near to you, would you draw near to us today? Father, would you forgive us of the sin in our lives as we draw near to you? Would you cleanse us? Would you change us? Would you transform us from the inside out? Would you empower us and embolden us to be different? As we enter whatever life stage we are at today, whatever journey we are about to embark on, whatever banquet we're having before the battle starts in our lives, in our workplace, in our family, or in our own personal endeavors and relationships, may we encounter you and have your peace because you've chosen us. In Jesus' name. hope you enjoyed today's message and if you'd like to find out more about City Hill please visit our website cityhill.london